Joining us in the classroom today is Focus 3 founder and CEO, Tim Kite. And Coach Weaver, I am super excited to talk to him. There are not very many people that understand culture at all three levels, whether it's the big picture and then the intermediate picture, all the way down to your own special unit, your 20 square feet. There aren't many people that understand it better. Yeah, Tim's been doing this for a long time with the Focus 3 uh, group and, and what they do, with, especially with Ohio State. Uh, when Ohio State was on their championship run, uh, they got plugged in with them, and uh, if you've been listening to their podcast, the Focus 3 podcast, you kind of heard uh, Urban Meyer and him talking about what the Focus 3 group does for them and how it challenges your thinking um, with the E plus R equals O, um, the framework of that, uh, the the lens of the 20 square feet, like you said. There's so many things that Tim's going to dive into with us and just help our coaches, help our listeners, help um, maybe business leaders of uh, companies understand what leadership looks like. Well, and the one thing that impressed me in our interview is he's so succinct. He knows exactly where you need to go and how to get there, and there's not a lot of filler in between. It's like you're either making progress or you aren't. And so there were a lot of times in the interview where I'm just kind of sitting back, I'm thinking, I've got to process more, and Tim's just kind of there waiting. He does this all the time, and it's on another level. It's simple, but it's not easy. And I think that's the application that some of our listeners are looking for. Yeah, the, the complex kind of gets cloudy, but the simple isn't easy as well. Uh, there's going to be work that has to be done. Uh, there's some some things that the listeners, when they take away, there's some tangible things they can put in application right now, which I think is, is helpful. And, uh, you know, we, we said in our interview, and he said, don't dabble in leadership. There's no such thing as dabbling in leadership. Yeah, that was such a powerful comment, powerful phrase. So if you're in season right now, like Coach Weaver and I are, and life is coming at you fast and you don't have a lot of time uh, to put outside of this into leadership stuff, you really have to live it, and that's kind of the world we're in right now. So I'm really excited for everyone to hear our interview, and let's get better together. Joining us in the classroom today is Tim Kite. And Tim, we're so grateful for you to carve out some time and be with us today. I want to start with the outcome in mind, uh, since outcomes drive behaviors, drive a lot of things that we do on a daily basis. What advice do you have for leaders and how they can create a vision or a big picture for where they want to go with their organization? Well, but that, that uh, first, thanks guys for having me on. I appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing and I'm certainly happy to contribute to your classroom, your culture classroom. And, you know, the, the word vision gets thrown around a lot. I mean, it's been around a long time and I'm a big believer in something I call vision squared. And when you talk about vision from an organizational or a team perspective, you're talking about where is it we want to go? You can have, you know, a, a vision for the season, you can have a vision for the overall uh, program itself, but it's a it's a it's directional. It's saying, "Hey, we want to become this kind of a team. We want to achieve these kind of things. It's our vision of the future, and that's the the vision of the organization or the school or the team." But there's a second part of vision that I think really gets neglected, and that's the personal vision, where every single person on the team sees how the role that he or she plays is a part of that bigger team vision. And so it's organizational team vision times personal vision. And it, what, what happens is I think a lot of organizations, a lot of teams are pretty good at casting the vision for the team. And we want to be, you know, we want to win the, the league championship. We want to make the state playoffs. We want to win the state. We want to be ranked nationally. We want to achieve this as a school or this as a company. And that's where we're going. Awesome. Fantastic. But, how does each person fit in? And do they see how what they do matters to that bigger vision? So that 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 vision squared is hugely important. In our does that make sense, guys? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I think it goes back to, and you're saying your own personal vision, that's a lot to do with your 20 square feet. 
and owning what you have in your 20 square feet of whatever you're doing. That is that right? Am I reading that right? Yeah, yeah precisely. I, the 20 square feet metaphor, and again, it's just, it's a metaphor that represents every person's sphere of ownership of what a company or a team or a school is trying to do. And 20 square feet, it's not a literal space. And, and it's, it, it's just a metaphor that, that represents every person on the team is responsible for owning 20 square feet of the culture and the strategy. And it is the, that's the personal vision side of it. So that's my point. So, so if the team's vision is win a state championship, I've got 20 square feet of that. And, and there's things I have to do and only I can do inside my 20 square feet. And no one can manage my 20 square feet for me. I've got to choose to manage it for myself. And there's an interesting challenge of leadership. A leader cannot manage somebody else's 20 square feet for him. What a leader has to do is make it clear the, the vision of the team and then help everyone recognize how their 20 square feet matters to the success of that vision on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's a great challenge of leadership. Yeah, we're seeing that right now uh, of how to get that across to coaches, to players, uh, because TK, we're, we've been successful. Uh, we've been to the state championship for the last five years. So we've, we've been on this road of being successful, but there was a piece missing. And I think it goes back to vision squared where we have the vision yeah. of what the team is. And now we have to figure out what our personal vision is going forward. So I guess my well, question, you know, is, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. It, yeah, let me jump. Let me jump in there for a second. So, you, you, John, you coach a high school football team. Yes, sir. You're on the staff, right? Yes, sir. So, think about it. Three levels. You've got the team. You've got each unit on the team, and then you've got 20 square feet. So, there's three layers. There's the team, and there's a vision for the team, and the head coach and coordinators are responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Then there's each unit. D lines a unit. Linebackers a unit. DBs are a unit. O-line, running backs, etc. And then each player and each coach has responsibility for his 20 square feet. So the unit leader, and this is something that, that we did at Ohio State with Coach Meyer, and in fact, at the training we did back in 2014, he stopped calling them assistant coaches and he called them unit leaders. Mm. And we taught every unit leader on Ohio State football how to lead his group of men, his group of players. Nine unit leaders, nine units at Ohio State. Because culture is really built in small units, small unit cohesion, it's called in the military. And when, when every coach takes ownership uh, in a school, when every teacher takes ownership of his or her classroom, because that's where culture is built in the classroom. It's built you know, one classroom at a time. So it's one thing for the superintendent or the principal to cast a vision. It's a whole other thing for each teacher in that school to own building culture in his or her classroom. So same thing for your football team, same thing for a school, same thing in a, in a bank or a hospital. It's, it's built in the units. That's very important. That's right. Yeah. Great stuff. So, so let me talk about this. As we go forward and, and we have the three layers, the team, the unit, and the player, and the 20 square feet, and there's the vision, uh, how do you bring those others along with that vision so it becomes a shared vision? So you have three layers. How do you blend that to make it one vision? So like you said, you have the head coach, and he has the team overall vision, and then you have the unit leaders and their vision, and then you have each player and each coach. How does, how does it look when you blend it? And I think that's a difficulty, one, in athletics today, especially in the high school level and probably at the co collegiate level too, is how do you get everybody on the same page to where it's a shared vision of those three? Yeah. Well, that's called alignment, right? I mean, it's, right. it's, it's when everyone is aligned, like you use the word around a shared vision, but it's a powerful thing when it happens. Right. And it's very hard to do. There are a lot of forces today that are fighting against, that are militating against that kind of alignment. So it starts at the top, and that is the head person, head coach, a principal in school, 
general manager or CEO or president of an organization communicates with exceptional clarity to unit leaders, this is where we're going and this is what your unit has to do. And then the head coach mentors assistant coaches and, and teaches them how to lead, mentors them, coaches the coaches, teaches them how to lead, and they've got to be taught. And that head coach, that principal, that general manager, president does that with relentless consistency. And this is interesting. This is important. There's a shared vision of what leadership is. And everyone is held accountable to the skills of leadership. There's a clear leadership model. If you go to our best clients and you were to ask them, what is leadership at this company? They would tell you immediately what leadership is. They'd say it's two things. It's building trust and it's achieving results. And there's three disciplines for trust, and they'll tell you what they are. There's three disciplines for achieving results, and they'll tell you what they are. There's zero confusion about what leadership is. Zero. You go to most companies or most football teams and say, what's leadership? What? And there's different definitions by different coaches on the same team. Hmm. That's not alignment. There's a lack of shared clarity on what leadership is. And that means there's going to be a lack of shared alignment around what culture is but not in the elite. Very important, shared definition of leadership. You go to the average high school, college, even NFL team. Oh, I read this book by so-and-so. Oh, I read this book by so-and-so. They got a quote over here and a book over there. You know, we're famous for this statement at Focus 3. And average teams have quotes, or average coaches have quotes, good coaches have plans, elite leaders have a system. And that includes a system of leadership. Zero confusion. And that's the head coach's job. Wow. Um, that's really powerful. I guess let me ask you this, Tim. Looking at our organization, there's people that are ready to lead and that have done it for a long time and truly own their 20 square feet. And then every organization has those that are a little timid or they're late to come on board with the vision um, or they're lacking that exceptional clarity. How do you empower other people to truly take square, take their 20 square feet and own it? So let me, let me briefly explain that leadership system again, because this is how it's done. Okay. And so it's the head coach, it's the head coach's job to teach leadership to the assistant coaches. It's their job to lead their units, right? Yeah. So here's, here's the model. And you can envision this. Envision an hourglass. There's a triad on the bottom called trust and a triad on top called results. Can you guys picture that? Yes. Yep. The tri- a tryout on the bottom called trust. Three disciplines for trust. And it's this. You have to earn the trust of the people you lead by behaving with character, competence, and connection. Trust is earned not by your t- trust is not given to you by your title or your role. It's earned by your behavior. And so you behave with character, you behave with competence, and you connect with people. That's how you earn the trust. Character is, is, is uh, ethical trust. Competence is technical trust. Connection is personal trust. And all three are necessary. Two-thirds won't work. So that's, that's the foundation. So a coach earns the right. A principal earns the right. A teacher earns the right to lead other people. That's the foundation. Mm-hmm. On that foundation of, of that tri- triad of trust, there's a triad for getting results. And results are gained by exceptional clarity, world-class communication, elite communication. That's the clarity piece. Number two, accountability. Hold people accountable. Now, accountability is primarily productive and positive. It's not catching people. It's not gotcha. Accountability is paying attention to what people are doing and giving them feedback. And then support is the third triad, third piece of the results triad. And, and, and support is all about Provide people with the tools that they need. Teach them E plus R equals though. Teach them the skills that they need. Coach and mentor them. Again, think about it for a second. Clarity is these are the expectations. Accountability. I'm going to pay attention and give you feedback. Support. I'm going to coach you and equip you with the skills and encourage you along the way. Look at that. Who wouldn't respond to that? Yeah. Trust through character, competence, connection. Results through clarity, accountability, and support. Do that every single day over time, people will commit. People will engage. People will align. Don't do that, and people will hesitate and not know what to do. And you 
have to have all three of those components for each of those two things, correct? Yeah, so that's a great statement, John. So think of it as this way. Total, it's six disciplines, right? Yep. Three for trust, three for results. Total of six. Here's the hardest thing about leadership. All six matter, and strength in one of them will not compensate for weakness in another one. Mm. Wow. And, he, and here's the mistake leaders make. Here, think about it. Again, I'm going to say it again real quick for everybody. Character, competence, connection for trust. Clarity, accountability, support for results. Here's the mistake, and I'll use football as an example. Here's what coaches think. You know, I see that model, but you know what? I know X's and O's. I know drills and skills. I've been coaching for 15 years. I'm super competent. I know the sport. I'm fine. Wrong. That's competence, and that's one-sixth of leadership. And it's just one-sixth. And it's insufficient for greatness. I see that I see that happening a lot with you know it's the worst phrase ever said in the English language we've always done it this way and a lot of coaches say that well I've always done it this way I've been successful I'm going to keep doing it my way and it doesn't work yeah it does not work no nope. and they're missing like you said nope. all six matter well of the yep. six they're they're pulling from one sixth or two sixth whatever it is yeah, yeah, you see it everywhere. I mean, you see it in you see it in business. You see it in healthcare. Uh, you see it obviously in sports and athletics coaching. But but one of the one of the reasons that happens, and I, I'm, I'm empathetic about it, is who has who's provided all those people with the crystal clear picture of elite leadership. And that's why I go base the head coach's job to say leadership on our football team. So this is to the coaches is. And then share the model. Say, this is it. This is what elite leaders do. Same thing in a school. Same thing in a business. You have to teach it. And I'm, I'm very concerned today. The leadership development space is noisy and crowded with a bunch of stuff, all of which is good, but there's no system. Do, guys, do we? how many leadership books are there out there today? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess too many would be the answer. <laughs> I've written yeah. one, so it can't be too complicated to do. <laughs> okay, there, there you go. But, but here's the thing about leadership: you have to teach it as a simple system. You guys had, you guys had Brian Kite on a while ago. Great podcast with BK, by the way. It was awesome. Thank it you. made my, made me proud to listen to him. You know, I had to hear one more time that he's a left focus three. That, that, that wounded me, but, but it was, and I'm proud of him. He's doing great. I, he's going to do great things with, with uh, daily discipline and. But, you know, one of the things that he and I share in common, and I talk this to him, and he is a total believer in it, is you have to have a system. And it has to be simple. Can't be complex. So the problem with leadership today is there's theory. There's, you know, 21 laws, of irrefutable, 21 irrefutable laws. You, you can't execute 21 laws. <laughs> right. You right. can't do that. You can build trust through character, competence, and connection. I can get my arms around that. Yep. Every day I can pay attention to that. I can get my arms around, okay, I got to clarify results. I hold people accountable by paying attention and giving them feedback, and I can support and coach them with the skills I need. I can get my arms around that. Put those together, that's leadership. Wow. Stop that's with the complexity. Stop, yeah, stop with the complexity is my, is my admonition to the, to the world of leadership development. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I want to go deeper into that trust piece, if that's okay. Those three sure. disciplines that are that that create that. Um, I feel like leaders today in education, as teachers, coaches, they're generally high character people. If your character has flaws in education, you're probably not going to be in education very long. Uh, I agree with you with YouTube and things like X's and O Labs. It's never been easier to diagram plays or to look for plays that fit together. I think the the biggest gripe that I hear from teachers, especially those who've been in the game for a while, is that connection piece. They don't know how to relate to the 21st century learner or the 21st century athlete. So talk about how you coach teachers or coaches to build that connection piece. That's a great question. Um, Before I do that, let me push back a little bit on the character piece and the competence piece. 
And character is more than just I'm morally sound. So there are character attributes that we teach. And our leadership system, by the way, that model is called Lead Now. That's what we call it. And in Lead Now, one of the things we teach, several things we teach in leadership character attributes. And one of them is inner strength. You have to have, you have to have courage to be a leader. And so there's things you're going to have to do as a leader. They're going to be uncomfortable and scary. And you better have the character and courage to do that. So you can be a truth teller. And you can be an honest person, but you lack the courage to have difficult conversations. That means you've got a character gap. doesn't mean you're unethical. It just means that there's a lack of inner strength. Uh, number two, you better have relentless positive energy. You're an energy giver. That's a character attribute. Leaders are the source of energy. Positive And a lot of coaches aren't a source of positive energy for their teams or a source of negative energy because they get mad all the time. A coach who yells too much has a character issue. Doesn't mean he lies. It means he lacks the discipline to consistently produce positive energy. Now here's a third character attribute, self-awareness. Awareness of how you're coming across the student athlete. That's hard. Yeah. So those are character attributes. Uh, and, 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 and so I go beyond just sort of a standard definition of integrity and, you know, uh, moral. Yeah, I mean, most teachers and coaches, you're right, they're not going to be there, but, but that sometimes there's a lack of energy, a positive energy, a lack of, of the kind of strength of heart that I'm talking about. The competence piece is really interesting. It's not just knowing football or knowing basketball or knowing your subject matter in school. The way we call competence trust is how you use what you know on behalf of other people. Mm. It's, how, it's not what you know, it's how well you teach it. I know, I say this all the time to coaches. I, you know a ton, but you can only teach a fraction of it because you haven't learned the competence trust piece of what I'm talking about. If, if an athlete's getting better and is experiencing a coach's ability to make him better, you can trust that coach more. Oh, that coach makes me better. That coach is really good at teaching. That's what we mean by competence trust. Wow. And then the connection, the connection piece then is a capstone. And here are the four action steps for, for making the connection with anybody, anytime, in any generation. Four things. Care deeply. Listen carefully. Engage effectively. And flex your style for the person you're connecting with. Because everyone's style is different. Care, listen, engage, flex. That's physics. That was true 5,000 years ago. It'll be true 5,000 years from now. That's true when there's tons of social media. There's tr true with none. It's just true every place. Care, listen, engage, flex. And there's techniques for each of those, but those are the timeless principles. For I have no problem connecting with millennials. I have no problem connecting with teenagers. I mean, no more, no less than any other time. Right. And I'm a 66-year-old 60, white guy. You know why? Because I care. I listen really well. I engage with them. And I adjust my style as I get to know who they are. I think that's so. And it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey, right? I, mean, I don't connect in a month, but it takes time. But I'm, I'm committed to those four things, so I connect. I appreciate you boiling that down into those four qualities, Coach. I just thought it was powerful how, you know, the test of time is is so important. And while kids change, or the world changes around us, or we change over the course of our career, those four things that help build connection with other people don't change. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, and so let me let me uh, define, for example, caring on that first one, right? That's the gateway to connectedness. And guys, listen carefully. The level of care determines the level of connection, and level of connection del delivers drives level of commitment. Mm -hmm. Every coach wants committed players. Well, if you want committed players, connect with them. Want to connect with them? Care about them. So we got to got to do that. Now, now listen carefully to this. This is interesting. Here's our definition of caring. Find out what is important to the other person and then make that important to you in a way they can feel it. That's what caring is. Find out what is important to the other person and then make that important to you in a way they can feel it. In other words, connect to what's important to them. Yeah. 
see what drives them, what gets them, and, what gets them going, and then exactly drive toward that and make them feel Correct. important. And, yeah. and, but, but, but exactly. So, so notice. Here's another way to say it, maybe even more simply. Caring is not something you feel. Caring is something you do. Yeah. If you feel uh, like caring, yeah. if you make it an emotion, you're you've lost it. You're off base. This is it. We so misdefined love and caring today. I'm a big believer. Elevate your love without lowering your standards. Mm. And loving someone doesn't mean how you feel about them. It means what you do for them and how they feel as a result of you doing it. Love isn't what you feel. It's what you make somebody else feel. That's a very discipline-driven definition of love. We've got to stop reducing love to an emotion. And so today's young people, there's things that are important to them. I don't know what's important to a 14-year-old kid when I first meet him. So guess what I do? You listen. I find out. Karen, Karen, listen. There you go. And then when I can find out what's important to him, I think you guys talk about that with regard to, I think BK brought that up with Coach Saban about how, you know, Saban finds out what drives a player and then aligns that with the, with, with what's happened in Alabama football. And right. that's, that's just key to caring about anybody, any place in life, personal, professional, athletic, school, business. You got to care and listen. Those are the gateway skills for connecting with somebody. Well, I've been reading a lot about the uh, 70s Raiders, the badasses with John Madden. And, uh, you know, I've always thought that Al Davis is kind of a kook. And, um, of course, I grew up a Broncos fan, so there's no love in Oakland for for that organization. But uh, Al Davis, one of the things that made him different was he took the golden rule, do unto others and treat them the way that you'd want them to treat you. And he had a different spin on it that kind of goes along with your connection piece where Al Davis's golden rule was treat others the way they want to be treated. And it's yeah, yeah. so simple, but we forget that in our complex world. Yeah. And it's tricky there though, because obviously with the football team, whether it's an NFL team like that or a high school team, that you guys have, um, athletes don't always want to be treated like they should be treated. Meaning if you're a coach, you're going to have to push them really hard to get them to do uncomfortable things. In fact, here's the trick. If you want to be a championship football team, you guys know this, you got to get kids to do things they don't want to do. Right. So how do you do that? Well, if number one, you got to, you have to build trust with them and tell them up front. And this is what I call the edge. You tell them right away. Hey guys, we're going to push you beyond what you think is your limit. We're going to get you to do things that are really uncomfortable, that are necessary to win championships. And then, and then win them over to that. Teach them about how to do that. Teach them to embrace what's uncomfortable. Teach them to be relentless when it gets difficult. Teach them how to maintain focus and positive emotion when they're physically tired. Coach them and mentor them. And here's the thing. The worst thing you can do when a kid is at the edge is yell and scream at it. The worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do. Yeah, I go back and and I told myself when I got into coaching, sorry, TK, when I got into coaching, I told myself I'm going to do things that I did not, you know, the things that I hated, I'm not going to do as a coach. So we had coaches yell all the time when I was playing high school ball. I was like, what did, what did they get accomplished? Nothing but make me shut down. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm a wuss, but it was like, if you want to teach me, teach me. If I don't know how to do a certain yeah. skill, teach me. Like, and, yeah. and I go back to, you know, say a wide receiver since I coach receivers, getting off man coverage, man press coverage. And I tell him, you got to get off press coverage. You got to get off press coverage. And I just keep telling him that day in and day out. And we get in the game and he still can't get off press coverage. I expect him probably to look at me and be like, you told me to get off press coverage, but what did you do to teach me? What did you mean yep. to, to help me get across with that? So, you know, and I like the, the part that you said about, caring deeply and listening and then engaging and then flexing about what you do with those athletes. So, you know, it's that model you can bring to even to practice with our guys that I I think that is, is essential. So, so one of the greatest skills in coaching is intensity without anger. It's really hard and it's uh, it's a superpower. 
It's a superpower. Intensity without anger. I learned it from John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach, who was my mentor in college. I ran track at UCLA, and our locker room was in the same building as basketball. And I watched him coach, and he never got angry, and he was super intense. Mm. He was a world-class motivator, communicator, and educator. And he kept things simple. Unbelievable. I bet he kept things simple as well. Yeah. Sure, he did, absolutely. So intensity without anger is what is what kids need, players need from us. Yeah, I think that's so hard with how the world views us as you gotta you gotta win or you or you're gonna lose. You gotta win so that there's that added pressure of hey, if I raise my voice, maybe I'm getting this kid or or even go with this at this angle. You're coaching out of fear now. And JT, we've said this on our mm-hmm. podcast before. You end up coaching out of fear. Well, that's not going to reach today's athlete. One, yeah. because they're going to know automatically they're going to shut down and they're going to tune you out yeah. because they're like, well, he doesn't care about me. Yeah. That's correct. Well, and wouldn't you right. agree, wouldn't you agree uh, Tim, that anger is most coaches' default response? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and it, they were usually coached that way. And so they're coaching the way they were coached. And then they've, it's become a habit. And there's a reason John Wooden won 10 national championships and nobody else has come close. There's a reason. Yeah. And, and when I see, you know, when you lose control of your emotions and start yelling all the time at players, the message that you're sending to players is you've lost control of your emotions and you no longer know how to teach. That's the message you're sending. You're basically saying, I don't know how to teach you, so I'm yelling instead. And that has zero competitive advantage for your football team. And I'm a deep believer that a culture of achievement will always be the culture of fear. Always. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a big, eliminate fear. Defeat fear. A culture of, when you get two athletes out there playing against each other, you talk about receiver versus DB, you're just, you know, in matchup. Now, two players of equal talent one is motivated by, motivated by fear, and the other is motivated by achievement. Who's going to win that matchup? Uh, the, the achievement. Absolutely. Absolutely. The kid motivated to avoid his coach's wrath will underperform. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or at, at very best, play hesitantly. Well, yeah, he'll, he'll underperform based on what he's capable of. Right? I mean, it's it's... You know, the ball's coming down, he's a receiver. Man, hope I don't drop it. Hope I don't drop it. Coach is going to be yelling at me. You don't want that running through your kid, the player's head. No. Yeah. No, that ball's coming down. You want that kid saying, that's mine. That belongs to me. Point of the ball, my ball. That's me. I got it. And if he misses it, he goes back and says, coach me, coach. And, and then he's, he's running over what he did wrong, looking at it from positive perspective and looking to correct it. That's so true. That's so true. And I, I think about this as well, like, when the coach yells, it's more of, and I can put it this way, I guess, is they're they're afraid to make a mistake. So they're trying to achieve perfection every time that they're on the field, uh, they're, whether they're blocking as an offensive lineman, uh, they're playing defensive back or, or running back or wide receiver, whatever position, even a quarterback, you make a bad throw. Uh, for me, it's, you know, you don't want that kid to play, and you said play hesitant, but that they have to play perfect. Does that make sense? That they're going to... Yeah, gonna, there's, there's, yeah. yeah it's, this, this is what's silly about this. If, you, if we just apply a little bit of common sense yeah. and reason and logic yeah. to this conversation, how many high school po- football players are capable of playing perfectly on a Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> It's never, never happened. Never perfect. Okay. So as long as the game has been played, there have been a fair number of mistakes, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So when we get mad at something that's happened the entire uh, time of the, of, the, of the sport, every single time we play, we're just being foolish and naive. Right. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. That's, it's, not, it's not about perfection. Now, obviously, we don't like mistakes. You don't ask them to go make mistakes. Correct. But ironically, by playing with confidence and playing with a focus on achievement, you'll make fewer mistakes 
and you'll correct mistakes faster. If a mistake is made, when they're made, I should say, you want them to learn from it. That, that, there's power in failure. Yes. There's, there's power in mistakes. So, mistakes are feedback, good feedback for you. So coach has to teach that to a, to a player. Right. Tim, let me ask you this, because I have a tendency to be a yeller. My dad was a yeller. You're spot on when you say, and a lot of times I'm not even angry. I just, I, I'm frustrated or I don't know how else to communicate. So I go to my default response, which is yelling. As a position coach, I coach running backs. Tell me what I can do to coach with intention and exceptional clarity when I want to default to my yelling. Yeah, so, so the key is three words, communicate, educate, motivate. Communicate, educate, motivate. Communicate, educate, motivate. That was Coach Wooden, not intimidate. I used to drill that into your head before practice, drill it into your head during practice. And here's another thing, be a master observer. Be a master observer. Part of the, the frustration, John, I think is that, is that we're expecting perfection or we want progress too fast or we're not focused on the right thing, micro-focus. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're frustrated as what, because the kid isn't doing what you want, I mean, is that the source of frustration? One of your running backs is like, is not doing a technique that you want? I mean, what, what's the source of your frustration? Kids not giving well, effort, what, what, what is it? We, uh, there, there's an old saying that says, you know, crap runs downhill, and so that goes, starts usually at the head coach and then goes down to the OC and then down to my, and then my 20 square feet with my unit. Uh, yeah. And, and that's just part of the chain of command. And a lot of times it's not really, it's not directed at anybody in particular, but we've all have those moments on a sideline where the frustration mounts or it's a critical play and we, we go to our default. Yeah. Well, this is where E plus R equals O comes in and the skills associated with it. And that is when the event happens, uh, you, you, it puts pressure on your R but that's you got to study this because the R is most important when the E is most difficult. Mm. And here's how it works. Under stress, we don't rise to the occasion. We, we revert to learned behavior. Yes. So you have to train yourself for those moments. I call them, I call it discipline of defining moments. And, and you got to train yourself. And you know difficult times are going to come in a football game or in practice. Yeah. Be prepared for them. And part of it is, what are you actually looking at? What are you focused on? And if you're focused on avoiding the wrath of the head coach or the OC, that's on you. Now, maybe they ought to be better, but they are who they are. You're still responsible for how you respond. So Coach Wooden was fantastic. He'd stop a, a drill in practice, and he'd put his hands up and say, Guy, I want this. Guys, I want this. He'd explain what he wanted. And you did this. I don't want that. He'd explain that. And go, I don't want this. And there's a gap. And I, I ended up calling Coach the gap. Now go again. Here's what I want. Here's what you did. You missed the standard. Now, here's what I want. Now, go again. And he's relentless on that. I mean, absolutely tireless on that. There's no anger involved. I just, I want, there's a standard I want. You didn't meet it. So, go again. And I, when I coached, I always, I was always teach what I call ATE. That's assignment, technique, and effort. So, here's, know your assignment, know the technique, and give the right amount of effort. And that's what I would give it. And I'd, I'd always give feedback constantly on assignment. Did you know your, your assignment? Did you do the technique I wanted? Did you bring the right kind of effort? And I was just constantly giving that feedback, constantly giving that feedback. And there's gaps, right? Sometimes they didn't know their assignment, so I'd coach them. Sometimes wrong technique, so I'd coach them. Sometimes low effort, then I'd coach them. Why get mad? <laughs> there's no reason to get angry. Intense, no. yes. Anger, no. I think that fits. And what's funny, you, you, you drill that, you drill that, you drill that, A-T-E, A-T-E. Guess what happens? Guess who ends up coaching the players? Other players. Other players. Because the standard has been established. This is what we do here. Well, we, that we makes sense, that. guys? That makes A- sense? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that with you. And, you know, we talked about this earlier uh, in the week when I called you was what ours was. And you, you shared with me A-T-E, and ours is 36 plus 2 now. For the sound bite, yeah. where it's yeah. as, it's um, assignment, alignment, and effort, and now yeah. we're we're looking at those three, and we challenged our coaches today. Hey, are you helping the sound bite, like of what we're trying to portray to our kids? The thirty-six plus two for six, the alignment, assignment, effort, six seconds, and then two seconds past the whistle. 
you can use that every day in your in your unit. And coach the alignment. Did he do the assignment? And then was there effort? And go forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with that. And that's why, and it eliminates the yelling, and that that helps them understand the communicate, educate, motivate. There's no yelling involved there. Yeah. Because you're constantly teaching. Yeah. So yeah. I want to share this, and you, you shared this with me, and I'm going back to our conversation, Tim, um, about how, how all the time we ask kids to get better all the time. We ask them to get better, mm-hmm. 1% better. There's all these cliches out there, but yet coaches stay the same. How do you yeah. how do you safeguard against and, and, and have coaches motivate themselves, I guess? You know, you call them a certain word. Um, you call them ditto coaches, I believe. Correct. Yeah, that's the that's the ditto coach. That's the coach who's the same this year as he was last year. Yeah, it's ugly. It's really unattractive. Right. By the way. Well, and you see coaches that get better in X's and O's. You see yeah. them, and, and John John and I talk about this all the time. It's offense, defense, special teams all the time, but the culture part is a distant fourth. A distant fourth. Mm-hmm. So what are, what's some advice you would give a coach that is not even on the journey or maybe is trying to dabble in the journey of what his culture should be on his football team, in his classroom, um, the track team, whatever. What's some advice you would give those guys that are just getting started? Well, it, it goes back to actually what we've already talked about. You used an interesting word, and I'm going to you. One, I'd say, don't dabble in this. If you're a, if you're in education, if you're a teacher or an administrator, and you're a coach, don't dabble at this thing called leadership because you you can't dabble. If you want to be a teacher, coach, or administrator, you have to be on the journey of building elite leadership skills. If you're not, you're not doing your job. I told I, I did a workshop. I did a lead now workshop all day for administrators of a whole bunch of school districts. It was a field room, and we had I don't know sixty, seventy people in the room. And and that was my message to him at the start that that building leadership skill is a challenging, demanding inner journey. And, and the key is, and I, this is interesting, all human development is slow, small, and daily. Doesn't happen fast, doesn't happen in big leaps, and it requires daily effort. Slow, small, and daily. It's the nature, cumulative impact of small improvement, improvements every day over time. The cumulative impact of small daily improvements that accumulate over time. That's how the human brain develops skill. Everyone is subject to that. No one is exempt. That's how you learn to play the piano. It's how you learn to speak the language. It's how you learn to build the three technique or be a quarterback or a coach or a teacher. It's how it works. So have a clear picture of what skill you want, why it's like leadership, the lead down model, and then every day get a little bit better in those specific areas. And another big thing on this, guys, is you got to have, you got to get feedback as a coach, as a teacher. Everybody needs a noticer and a truth teller in their life. You got to get feedback. Mm. You've got to have a noticer and a truth teller in your life. Someone that you authorize. Hey, observe me and give me feedback. Now, on a football team, that's one of the things head coaches should be doing. And a lot of head coaches do not coach their coaching staffs, and that is a massive mistake. And if you, if the head coach hesitates, then assistant coaches should get together and say, "Let's give each other feedback. How did I do today?" That's powerful, and that yeah. that goes back and. It makes me think of the word JT and I were talking about a lot with teams culture and having them aligned together. It's accountability. Yeah, that's what it's called. Accountability. Yeah. Do you guys um do you guys ever film you guys use game film, right? On on Saturday morning you guys watch film from Friday night? Absolutely. And Friday night. Yeah. We watch you it ever, after the game and then the da- the next day. So twice. Yes. Yeah. And 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 what's the purpose of, of game film? What's the purpose of watching game film? Well, it's the mirror test. It's to see what you did and then look for areas to improve or what you did well that you can build upon. Yeah. So you'll point to a play and you'll tell the players, hey, you did this and you did that. Great job, Johnny. Great job, Billy. Hey, Frank, you do better here. And you're giving kids feedback so they can visually see what they did and you want them to get better. So that's that you do that, right? Correct. Yeah. Actually, we're going to go a step further uh, this 
camp that we're headed into, we're going to identify plays where we did it right in the past and plays where we did it wrong. And then as we install and our kids write it down and diagram and do all that mental work, we're going to ask them is which play is the right one, which is the way that it should be done. Perfect. Do you guys ever film coaches coaching and, and then observe film of yourselves coaching? I have not done that yet, but I've videoed lessons in my classroom. Yeah, same here. So, so you need to video. If I had my way, every football coaching staff would be mic'd up, and they coaches would be videotaped, and and they'd have to study their coaching. And then, what did I look like? What did I sound like? What did I feel like? How to come across? How well did I educate, motivate, and teach today? How did I do today? Building trust and achieving results. What kind of coaching skill did I display to my team today? And where am I doing well that I want to repeat? What do I do that okay that I want to enhance and where do I do things I never want to do again and get rid of it? But you ask that to a coaching staff and most coaches say, no way. Why not? I don't like what I see. Uh, You're right. That's why you should film yourself. Yeah, that's that's funny. Reading that book on John Madden, uh, they showed him the tape one time. This is in the 70s when NFL films was just getting started and whatever. And and Madden goes, well, I knew I got pissed, but I didn't know I got that pissed. That's the point. This is the point. And yet, and yet we live by game film as coaches. Yes. It's a, it's a weird thing, gentlemen, for a living coaches tell other people what to do, but who coaches the coaches? Mm. Mm. And I tell this to coaches all the time. Do not ask your players to get better. If you're not willing to get better. Fact. Yes. Fact. You, you see it all the time, though. I say all the time. Majority of the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Majority of the time. No question. No question. Yep. No question. Like there's. And again, I think it all goes back to trust, trying to relate it back to that hourglass analogy, that quality. Um, and then I think a, a huge revolution. I've been taking notes here, Tim, as we've been talking. And, you know, everything that you're saying goes back to trust. And as trust increases, then show, so should the quality of response. Yes, but let me make something really clear, and I failed to say this earlier, and I'm glad you brought it back up. So you got trust on the bottom and results on top. It's the combination is where the power is. So listen carefully. Trust without results is unacceptable. Results without trust is unsustainable. Mm. If a leader is really good at building trust, but doesn't get results, that's unacceptable. If a leader focuses on achieving results but fails to build trust, that's unsustainable. It's a powerful combination of trust and results that makes for elite leadership. What what the elite leaders do is they make a deep commitment to relationships and performance, and they refuse to compromise one for the other. Their their standard is they're non-negotiable. On both, though, right? Yes, and so, correct. I mean, you're around some leaders, and right. they're they're just they're really relational. They're they're gentle. They're empathetic. They're you know they're very relational, but they don't push hard. That's not leadership. You get around other leaders, and they you know they push super hard and they demanding and all that, but they don't build a quality of trust and depth of relationship. It's neat. And that's not leadership either. No. So At leadership as. Yeah, at least not elite leadership. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 yeah, exactly. Not, not elite leadership. Yeah. And yeah. technically, technically, I'd like to get to a spot. I don't know if we'd ever achieve this, where where leader is what we just described. Something less. It's less than leadership. It's something else. It's managing. But you know, I mean, I think I think real leadership. All these things we're talking about: deep trust and a push for results, and the powerful combination of the two. Sorry, Tim. I'm just I'm just taking some notes down. Sorry. Okay. Yeah that that's a that's a lot to uh, to take in here for a minute. That's that's good stuff. But but is it complex or is it simple? It's simple. No, I think it's simple. It's yeah. just it's a different way of looking at leadership. And then you know I think a lot of times we settle, and uh, yeah. I don't know if we should. Yeah, and I think we yeah. make the complex really hard. Like when I think of something that's complex, it's hard, and I don't really want to go do it. I don't want to dive yeah. into that. I don't want to touch it if it's yeah. complex. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing to keep in mind, simple is not easy, right? Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Correct. I mean, I, I learned that a long time ago. Being a leader is hard. So let's not make it complex on top of being difficult. Let's wow. eliminate complexity and then let's keep it simple so I can do the hard thing. Well, well, uh, you know, Brian, Brian, Brian Kite makes a great point about, about simplicity. He says, he says, one of the things simplicity does is that there's no place to hide. People hide behind complexity. Yeah. And so when it's simple, there's no excuse. And that's what it is. I'm saying this is my point. Adopt the model and go do it. And saying, Tim, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Our, we had all these core values and you know, they were, they were on the wall. We had these credos that went with them. We, and really they were stickers. We said we were that and it's been two years. Well, our head coach called me and he's like, I think we, we, it's too complex. It's too much to dive into. It's too much to, to comprehend. I said, all right, what you got? And then he had just listened to your, uh, your podcast with urban about the sound bites and the power of the unit, you know, four to six, A to B. Uh, and he adopted that. And he's like, we already have 36, John. And I was like, yep. He goes, I want to add plus two to play to the echo of the whistle. So that's great. So alignment, mm-hmm. alignment, effort. Now, and then we put four U on it. So we're not playing for ourselves. We're playing for our brother, which was, which mm-hmm. is great. So it's simple. Like, so like you said, it's simple. It, the standard has yep. been set. It, the model is there. The trouble is now getting the coaches to go do, to go literally, yeah. like you say, go do the work now. Yeah. So that, so, yeah. so culture, yeah, culture, this is interesting. Culture is not built by what you proclaim. It's built by what you practice, promote, and permit. Every high school football team's team proclaims stuff. Correct. The elite pra- practice it promote it and don't permit behavior inconsistent with it. Uh, Tim, really appreciate your time tonight. Like I've taken a lot of notes here in our conversation and um, you know, I, I think it's just a powerful message, not just for coaches, but anyone in a leadership role. And it really mm-hmm. starts with your 20 square feet. And then it's up to you to connect that to the greater vision. So really appreciate yep. you dropping some dimes on us today. And, uh, helping us figure out, you know, because I think that's the other challenge of leadership is what if I'm not a leader, how can I be a leader when I'm not in a leadership position? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's leadership's not a title. It's a mindset and a skill set. You can be an influencer without having any title or authority. That's just, that's a, that's an important element of it. Yeah. I, we tell them a lot of, a lot of times, you know, we had a leadership Academy. I tell our kids all the time, I was like, leadership's a cool title to have but it comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Wow. Well, just thank you so much for carving time out. Love what you do. Love what you're doing at focus three and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, John and John, thanks for having me on, uh, on your podcast. It's been uh, awesome to be with you guys tonight. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs.